are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. remain standing I ask you to take your Bible and turn with me if you would to our scripture reading for this evening Judges chapter number 13 the book of Judges chapter number 13 for our scripture reading together this evening this evening we're going to begin in verse number one and read down through verse number 13 and I'm going to ask you to join me read aloud let's endeavor to stay together as we read our scripture text for this evening Judges chapter 13, beginning in verse 1, ready, begin. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines forty years. And there was a certain man of Zorah, of the family of the Danites, whose name was Noah. And his wife was barren and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the and said unto her, Behold now, thou art barren, and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive, and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine, nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive, and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite, Let her beware. 
Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for our scripture reading this evening. Thank you that we hold in our hands the word of God. Lord, as Manoah and his wife were very interested, very attentive to the message from the messenger from the Lord, so tonight may we be likewise. May we be very attentive to the message from the messenger of the Lord. May you use our pastor through the power of the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts and help us. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you so very much. A window of opportunity. A window of opportunity is actually a phrase that simply means a, a period of time in which some action can be taken so that we might achieve a goal or a desire. In 1981, 82, and 83, we built a 66,000 square foot building over here at the Clyde Avenue property that's filled tonight with the Spanish ministry. We could not build that building today. There was a window of time. And God gave us that window of time and the people of God, uh, they paid the price. In those two years, there was not one parking stall to park our car on the property. We told our members you could not park, as all those many years, 31 over there, you cannot park in the neighborhood. Everyone had to be shuttled in. We met in a tent for two years. I'll never forget those days. I don't believe the city would let us move into a tent today. I'm not saying they're wrong. I just don't believe there was a window. I don't believe they'd let us build a building that is 268 feet long, almost the length of a football field, by 32 feet high, without a window, without a door, on the property line of the rest home. I don't think it's possible. I don't think it happened. Again, I'm not saying they're wrong. It's just it was a window of time. When we moved over to this property, it was a window of time. And year after year after year, we built, we first moved in here, we put the roads in. And then we put the, the fire sprinklers in, the, the, uh, the um, fire hydrants on the property, and the curbs and the gutters and, and all the drainage on this property. We built immediately the bus garage, and then year after year we built the women's dorm, and then the clock tower, and then the men's dorm. And the next year we built, we built the commons building, a gymnasium, a two-story dining hall. And then we raised money to build this great building here. It couldn't happen today. It's a different environment. We had a window of opportunity. We called it the decade of development and we never stopped building. It was just a window. You know, when God gives you children, it's just a window. Because they begin K4 or K5 and already we witness, have they learned to obey? Have they learned kindness? Have they learned respect? Have they learned manners? It shows up in K4 and K5. Now we go through elementary and all of a sudden they're 11, 12, and 13. And the apron strings are beginning slowly to be cut. There's youth groups. There's activities. There's soul winning. There's youth conference. There's youth camp. There's youth revivals. Uh, there's school. There's sports. There's activity. And before you know it, those kids are beginning, as it should be naturally, beginning to wean away from mother and father. 
Then they're off to college and they're busy as a full-time student at a full-time job and serving the Lord on bus routes and nursing homes and teaching the word of God and preaching the word of God and helping in church. It's just an amazing thing. They're busy. And then they announce we're getting married. And uh, when they get married, the Bible says, your window is closed entirely. For they leave father and mother and cleave to their wife. It's just over. Really that high school days, it's getting over. Until you get to this altar, young people, don't ex their parents out. And I would say, and I can say this having lived it, don't ever ask your parents out. No regrets. As I watch that sweet, dear old man breathe his last breath and that sweet, dear little elderly lady breathe her last breath, no regrets. There's a window of opportunity and God gives his husband and wife this window of opportunity. They'll be able, according to my father-in-law's preaching from so many years ago, they'll be able to precept this boy with the word of God every day teaching in the Bible. Not only will they be able to precept, precept the word of God, they'll be able to play together baseball and basketball and football and soccer and play dolls and play house and play with those kids. Oh, I tell you, I loved playing with our kids. And, and then there'll be prayer with your kids along the precept and prayer play where you go pray with your children and the joy to hear children pray. Robert, I remember when Robert, he's sitting right down here, was born. He was born 25 years ago, 26 years ago. And Wednesday night he came and he said, uh, during prayer time, he says, shall we pray together? I love praying with Robert. Robert, you were born at Good Samaritan Hospital. I, I know that day, I remember that day very well when God brought you into our lives, such a special young man. You know, I love praying with these kids. Sometimes a few weeks ago, I, I was here at prayer time before church on a Sunday night and one of my grandkids, they come by and they say, I said, will you pray with Papa tonight? And they'll say, you wanna go first or should I? I said, why don't you go? They'll pray. I love those moments. But those moments come and go in the home. Dads, pray every night with your family. Pray every night with your family. We never had family Bible time on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, perhaps we should have. But every night we prayed. And Ms. Treber and I to this day, we'll pray tonight. And Dr. Van, Brother Van Dyke, I'm sorry to say this, sometimes she knows once in a while, while I'm praying, I fall asleep on her. And I'll start to hear her laugh. And then she'll get quiet, let me go to sleep for a while. I love praying together with the family. You precept the family, get the word of God and teach them the Bible. You play with the family. Uh, you pray with the family. You praise the family. Son, you did a good job. Daughter, you did a good job. You only broke 14 dishes tonight cleaning the table. You, you prepare the family. Train up a child in the way they should go. Preparing them should not just come from a youth pastor 
or from a school. It should come from mom and dad that we support what you're doing at home. You teach them respect. You teach them how to talk. You teach them how to be kind. You teach them how to share. You teach them how to obey the first time. I was at an event this last week with my wife and we were sitting at a table with a young couple in our church and they have three kids and they're a very busy family. And the mother runs a daycare. And one of the daycare workers saw that mother and the one-year-old, little over one, walking now, maybe almost two. The mother saw the daughter just kick the shoes off, said, go over there and pick your shoes up. Not yelling, not screaming, not hollering. And, and the, the parent picking up the child saw it. And the little child walked over, picked him up, put him in the right place. How'd you do that? How'd you do that? i tell you how they did it. They trained her brother and her sister, and they trained her to obey the first time. There has to be a preparation of their hearts and lives. They have to know how to be thrifty. They have to know how to use money. They have to know that no means no. And not only do we precept and pray and play and prepare and we praise, but I don't like this word, but I'll use it. We punish. That is correction. And then there's patience. All of this is gonna be in this man's life now because Manoah and his precious wife are gonna have a son. And more is dedicated to this son in the judges, Samson, than any other judge. Oh, yes, he messed up. Why are we so big on, on when everybody messes up? Generally, because we're trying to cover ourselves how we messed up, David. Samson was one of the greatest judges. He was an incredible judge. And he came to power at a very difficult time. His dad, Manoah, and his mama were gonna raise him for God, but they just had a window of time. That window was found in verse two with Manoah, and he had a wife, and his wife, no name wife here, was barren. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman. Behold, now thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. I've had men tell me, I gave my life at the altar at our church at such and such a time, such and such a date, to surrender to serve God. And I was always worried what my, my wife think. And I've heard this story so many times. A wife will say, I have been waiting for two years for you to do this. I have been waiting for a year. I saw it coming six months ago. I saw it coming several years ago. Ladies, you are so important in the home. Your eyes have to be so open and your hand on the pulse of that marriage and the pulse of your husband that if something's not right with your husband, you know it. When something's not right with your children, you know it, you can smell it. Like the book of Job where the horse, and I'm not trying to be, uh, uh, that's not a good illustration, ladies, but uh, the horse can smell the battle. The horse can, the nostrils flare out and the horse smells the battle. And the horse will say, let's go. Mama needs to seek it out and smell it out. Young people, those, those drawers, dresser drawers in your house, they belong to mother and dad. And wise is the mother that snoops in those drawers. 
Yes. That would be a good place to say amen. You're paying the rent payment. That dress is yours. You say, well, my kids will think we don't trust them. Well, then have the conversation with them. Kids, it's not that we don't trust you. It's just we don't trust you. And the reason we don't trust you is because we were children one time too. Well, your mother was at least, and, and your mother would probably do this. So that's where, we, that's where we check this thing out. Find out what's going on. Have your eyes open. Have your ears open. Watch your friends. Don't sit on the lower floor here and your teenager sit in the balcony. You gotta watch what's going on. And here's Mr. Manoah, and the angel came to her, and the angel's gonna keep coming back and impressing on her heart some knowledge and some wisdom. And the Bible says, Lo, thou shalt conceive, verse five, and bear a son, no razor shall come on his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. And I'll just say as I get in my message, and it won't be long once I get there, in about four hours, some of you mothers and dads, you're gonna have to recognize that from the womb or shortly thereafter or early in life that God, it appears like has something special on your child's life. I remember I never told Brother Tim he should be a pastor. Never told him one time, prayed every day. God called him to preach. I never told him until right when he was getting ready to leave us to go pastor. I, I saw it early in his life that God wanted that for him. I knew that God, my wife knew it more than I did with the girls. She knew there was something on their lives. She saw it. I saw it as well. Maybe not as much as a mother would see it. She knows those girls. We saw it. We felt like we were raising a man and a woman of God. You know, may I say that some of you, and I know there's no such thing as you're raising an angel, but some of you are raising an angel in your home and you don't even know it. Some of you are raising a man of God and you haven't figured that out. You don't need to tell, hey, you're supposed to be a man of God. You're supposed to be a preacher. And, and when he says, you say, what do you want to do when you grow up? And he's going to say, be a policeman. Let him be a policeman at that time. Because the next time you ask him, he wants to be a fireman. And the next time he wants to be something else. Don't tell him what he's going to do. Watch how he's bent. And here from the womb, he said, this boy, he's going to be a Nazarite. There's going to be a vow on his life. You listen so careful, his long introduction. And the Bible said, the woman came and told her husband. I want to give you some ingredients for this window of opportunity. For this window of opportunity. I want us to know that we get help. Get help from a Sunday school teacher. You can ask the teacher, period. I'll see, see the scripture, look at verse eight. But ask the Sunday school, how's my son listen? How's my daughter listening? Are they obeying? Are they being good students? Ask the youth pastor, how's my, how are my kids doing? Where do they sit when the teenagers are together? Do they have good friends? And then don't throw the youth pastor on the bus. Hey, the youth pastor, his wife said, you're hanging around the wrong crowd. 
Oh, that's a big help to the youth pastor. Get help. Why is it that we think when we're raising kids, we know it all? And if we don't, Facebook does. And if we don't, another 25, 6, 7, 30-year-old, 31-year-old who has a kid or two or three, they know. They don't know diddly squat. There I go quoting Greek again. You know who knows? Titus chapter 2. An aged man, an aged And we know what to do and we know what we did wrong. Well, I looked it up on YouTube and they said this. My Bible says in verse number eight, look how they look for help. Manoah entreated the Lord and said, oh, my Lord, let the man of God which thou hast sinned come again to us. And two words, church, what is it? Teach us, teach us. Look at verse 12. And Manoah said, now let the words come to pass. How, how shall we order the child? How shall we do under the child? So a school teacher says, we're having an appointment together, teacher meeting. And the teacher said, good student here, poor student here, disobedient here, but kind over here. My mother died and my dad died. My mother left me a file. And in that file is every report card from kindergarten forward, including my college transcripts. And you know, they would mark it every quarter. Jack, and then they put on there every year, the you know cooperation, kindness, respect, shares, it's the most amazing thing. All the years, A plus, A plus, A plus. You know what's amazing thing? I looked at some of those, te those teachers and said some of them needs improvement. No, no, no. Jack does not need improvement. And they would mark that off. Didn't they know? Didn't they know this is Dr. Jack Treber? They'd even call me by my first name in second grade, Jack. I'm thinking, what in the world? Don't you know who I am? And I had to have improvement. And my mother and dad were strange. They were old school. And they believed the teacher over me. No, not amen. It was bad. And I got a bad grade in this particular class, Mrs. Roth, sixth grade. And I remember I, I blamed the teacher and I blamed the way she, she gave the, the test and I blamed everything. And my mother says, well, let me go down there tomorrow and I'll talk to you. No, you don't have to do that. I mean, it's not come to this. I'll go tomorrow, son. No, 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 mom, you don't have to. And she said, you know, son, what I think's going on here? And again, instead of calling me in sixth grade, Dr. Treber, she said, you know, son, you're a, a wonderful son. But I think in this subject, oh, she said it, you're amazing. I sent her to her room as fast as she could go. <laughs> I said, you sit in there and think about this and you come out and I'll be ready to deal with you a little bit later. My mother said, I think in this subject, she didn't say, oh no, you're lazy. No, in this subject, Dr. Treber, you're lazy. 
and she was right. And I didn't have to blame the teacher. Brother Andy Harrell, when he was our associate for 19 years, he'd say, always stand on the side of authority. And you know, sometimes parents, and we've not really had problems with this, but if there would ever be a problem, maybe you ought to come and spend a week, seven hours a day with those kids. Bring your medication. You'll need it. It's not as easy as it looks. Well, I tell you what, I love elementary chapel. Singing, how many teeth you lost, what your, what your birthday is, all the, it's just exciting. Name that tomb, a, a history quiz, preaching these kids. Just finished a seven-week series on what happens when you get saved. These kids remembered, they remembered, I'm looking at little kids, they remember justified, got justified. I'm thinking, what? I said, what, well, what does it mean? Declared righteous. I'm righteous when I get, it's just amazing. But you know when I leave elementary chapel, I'm glad those teachers can go back and have their vacation. I can go get a cup of coffee. It wears me out. Stand on the side of authority. Here, here, this mother and dad says, we need help. Show us how to order the child. Show us how to train this child. That's what this message is about tonight. By the way, get to God's house. Get to the house of God. Get to Sunday school. Get there early. Use the aisle. Don't try to get as far away from preaching. Get your family down close. Help. You know what else I see? Help meet. Dear ladies, we live in a Me Too generation but you're far more important than just whatever the Me Too stands all for. This man had a wife. I want you to see as a man approaches his wife, she didn't know it, she called him a man of God. But he was an angel of the Lord, the Bible says repeatedly here. A messenger, his brother Bertram prayed from God. But she was communicating with another man that was not her husband. When he appeared and spoke to her, what did she do? Same thing Tamar should have done. And verse number six, after verse five, he appeared. The woman came and told her husband. She went right to her husband. Look what it says in verse number, verse number 12. The Bible says in verse 10, the woman made haste and ran and showed her husband and said, behold, the man appeared unto me today, uh, 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 under the other day. And Manoah arose and went after his wife. He came again and she went back to her husband. Ladies, you don't live, and men, you don't live secret lives away from your mate. Your husband ought to know the conversations you've had with people that day and your wife ought to know your conversation and your wife will ought to be able to pick your cell phone up and be able to look at the history of who you called and your husband, husband ought to do the same for the wife. I know I'd probably get fired. If I was working secular, 
I would not go to a coffee shop with a woman who wasn't my wife. I said that probably 35, 40 years ago here. It used to be an amen. It was it's per perfectly quiet because we don't believe that anymore. I'm not going to, hey, let's do lunch today. I'm not doing lunch with another woman that's not my wife. And I don't want her doing lunch with a man who's not her husband. I'm glad we're not living independent lives. I'll be gone now the next four days, uh, six days, two weeks. The wife says, I'm on a business trip. That husband and wife are a unit. Uh, Tamar, when she was defiled by her half-brother, she tried to reason with Amnon. She tried to talk with him. We shouldn't be doing this. This is wrong. No, Tamar, you should have said, Daddy! we want to talk it through build relationships no you want to go to your dad and say dad this boy is bothering me I know he's my family member my stepbrother but it's not right please I am not suggesting that's appropriate anyway for anybody to take advantage of another person but one of the crowds that surprises me so much is the Hollywood crowd. They dress like harlots and then wonder why they lure men to them. And I know that's online, so God bless you. First, I find they get help. And then he got help meet, his help meet helped him. She was a God-fearing woman. Ladies, we as husbands need help from you. You need to tell us what the score is and what's going on and where, where we're being weak and how we need to correct ourselves and, and do we yell at the children and do we raise our voice at the kids and do we scare the kids? Well, I don't scare those kids. Yes, if your wife says you do, listen to her. They were in this thing together. And by the way, sir, if you're... Husband says, lady, your husband says, honey, you're always sighing and you're always bothered and it seems like you're frustrated. Are you, are you aware of that? Say it in another room so she can't throw something at you, but say it. Choose it at the right time. Here they're going to raise this young man of God, Samson. They, they needed help and secondly, need a help mate. Let me wind it up and I have so many more points I won't get to them. They needed holiness. Verse 14, she may not eat anything that cometh of the vine, neither her drink wine or strong drink or any unclean thing. There had to be some restrictions on her life. There had to be rules on her life. You know, in the garden there was prohibition. You can have all of it. Don't, 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 don't try, touch this tree right here. It's mine. There were rules. Rules are not a bad thing. There's a rule out here, 25 miles an hour in the residential area. There's a rule out here. Uh, you drive X amount of miles on the There's a rule out here. It's a red light, you stop. 
There's a rule out here that's a diamond lane. You can't be in that diamond lane at these hours. There's a rule. We obey the rules. And here she had some rules put on her life. And husband, when a wife senses that God is putting some rules on her life, don't try to make it where you take the rules off. God's impressed her from Proverbs 31, what to do. Mama says, okay, it's school, and she'll know better than you will, sir. I don't know what time the kids should go to bed. Right, let's take elementary kids. I, I guess 11.30 or 12, I don't know what time they go to bed at night. But Mama doesn't believe that. Mama probably thinks, I'm looking at see you at 8 o'clock at night, elementary kids. And that is they've had their prayer time, they've had their Bible time, and you've got them tucked into bed, but there's some rules. And so we talk about holiness. I have so many more I have down here I want to give you. I won't give them for the sake of time. I notice there's humility here. I notice there's hospitality here. Children need to watch mom and dad entertain strangers and entertain God's people and learn how to have a social life and communicate. That comes from the home. I will promise you this. Any child that comes up through our elementary, junior high, and high school can always land a good job when they want to go off to as a 16-year-old, 17-year-old, go off to college or before. Always can, why? They know how to communicate. We have business owners around here. They'll come to college graduation. They come to high school graduate, and they always say the same thing. Do you have more? Every computer company was out here in September, opening day of school, we had a job fair, and they said, I, I, I know it. I didn't hear it from some of us. I went to their booths, and I asked them, and they said, do you have any more like this? We hired some last year. They show up and they have a good attitude and they, told, they do what they're told and they, and they can pass the drug test, random drug test. You got any more, pastor? I, I wanna say they need to learn these things tonight. It, it's amazing the window of time we have. They had just a window of time if you would look up and you're going to, I discovered they put it on my phone. I don't even know how to, but I'm going to laugh. It starts with a W and I know the name. I can't make sure I know how to say it. Wika, what, how, do you, how do you say it? Wika, Wikipedia? Wika. Wika, Wikipedia. And I, 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 didn't, I saw it there all the time and I can't, I don't have it all hooked up so I can't research things, but, but I put in there a window of opportunity and it led me down a path. In farming, there's a window of opportunity when you can plant and when you can harvest. And the illustration of it, of a window of opportunity, it's just a season. You gotta get that in before the next rain comes. You gotta get the seed in the ground. You gotta get it after the right time and it's all plowed and tilled and ready to go and prepared. You get it, have to get the seed in and you have to get normally three kernels of corn per stock. You gotta get that seed in and then you have to harvest it at the right time. 
That's why Jesus said, the harvest truly is plenteous, the laborers are few. Say not there four months and then come with harvest. Look on the harvest, it's white, already the harvest. When it's white, it's too late. The wheat should be golden color. But it's white, it's too late. You can just a win and you lose all the harvest. There's a window of opportunity. We have so many people in this church in medicine doctors and nurses and cancer ward supervisors. It's just amazing how many the hospitals we have in this church. I'm just shocked. They say there's a window of opportunity. Medically, they called it a golden opportunity when a person is passing through some trauma and they're dying and they have a window of opportunity, the golden moment when they need to shock that body and put the paddles on and bring that body back to life. There's a window medically of opportunity, like there's a window of opportunity for the farmer. There's a window of opportunity with the market. If you'll look it up, it'll tell you in the stock market there's a window there's a window of opportunity to get this gold at this price or the silver at this price. And we have a window of opportunity. And this window of opportunity is with these little children, these little babies that were up here. Brother Jared and Rosie were saying, Gloria, their firstborn, they had two up here last tonight. They said, she's been talking about this all day today. And downstairs, she was waving at me. They're so blessed. They have this little window. And soon the window's going to be gone. Because Jared and Rosie, like all these other parents, except for Stephen, we're not going to allow him into kindergarten. We've already gone that route with Kevin, and we know better than that, don't we? And when Stephen comes, and when all these little kids come, they don't know it yet, but the clock is running. And then there's separation till school gets out, kindergarten at 2.30. And then it goes faster, and then it goes faster, and all of a sudden they're graduating from kindergarten, and then they're graduating from six, and then eight, and then high school and college. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.